Welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merc Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He's here. We are ready to go. Mike, lots of stuff to cover today. Um, we potentially could have some breaking news depending on when this show ends. Um, we're kind of in like that weird middle spot where we don't have a confirmed Final Four in the college football playoff just yet. We're may, we may still touch on it just a little bit as far as the conference championship game goes, what we liked, what we didn't like from certain teams that we are expecting to be in that Final Four picture. Um Lots of Lions news to cover today, Mike. We're going to be talking about the hiring of Chris Spielman. Barry Sanders coming back into the fold. Um, Lions making some really good moves here as far as some of these GM interviews and stuff. So we're going to hit on that as well as their potential draft plans for that new GM. We're going to be previewing that a little bit. As you guys know on this show, uh, I don't think anybody does a good enough job of covering the NFL draft like we do, especially when it pertains to your Detroit Lions. And unlike other sports radio shows in these in this Metro Detroit area, not everything they do sucks. So you know, there's some hope there. So if you want to talk, if you want to listen to some of the best draft coverage that you'll find, especially about your Detroit Lions, tune it here, especially at the end of the season, because that's when our draft talk really picks up for them. Um, and then also, Mike, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking some WWE Raw ratings and how that has plummeted once again. Um, WWE planning some quote unquote rebooting type of thing to go on here. I don't know what that means, but we'll talk about that as well. But let's jump right in here, Mike. Um, let's let's talk Lions first. I think that's probably the biggest story coming out of here in Detroit. Chris Spielman, uh, special assistant to the CEO and president and owner and chairman and every other title. Um, he is going to be sitting in on the interviews for all the GMs, for all the GM candidates, and he's going back to talk to the people they've already talked to, which I think was, at the time before he got hired, was just the in-house people, which don't have a shot at getting the GM job anyway, let's be real. Um, but nonetheless, right, he's going to be sitting in, he's got an idea, I think, and and I think the Lions are taking a, a, a much more calculated approach this time around, and I'll explain why here in a minute, but give me your initial thoughts, he's no longer calling games for Fox, which Mike is happy about, um, uh, the you know, give me just your initial thoughts of Chris Spielman. He's the quote unquote football guy coming in, right? That everyone was so scared that Rod Wood, not the football guy, self admittedly saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not the football guy. But Chris Spielman now kind of having Rod Wood's guy. ear to go, hey, listen, this guy's a jackass, mm-hmm. or you know, rocket scientists aren't good football coaches. You know, talk to me about what you think. You yeah. know, Chris is going to bring and your reaction to the move. Yeah, so to, to start, I'm yeah. just going to say that I don't hate him as a commentator. I just, <laughs> I don't like people that are so one-sided on one person when they call He's games. much better when he calls games not for the Lions. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah, no, I like the insight that he gives. He gives kind of more like a, a Gus and Joel yeah. Klatt like coverage when he's not doing the Lions. It's just, and it's also the same thing why I hate like Joe Buck calling Packers games because he just loves he's Aaron Rodgers so, so much. much on Aaron and Rogers. I just like, I don't like guys who are just like, oh, this guy's perfect and nothing else is... Like, right. I, I like it when you just call it down the middle. So that's just yep, a little, sure. little thing that he won't be doing I anymore. I love Joe Clay and Gus Johnson. They can just cover all the calls. Oh, every game games. I, I know some people don't like Gus Johnson because sometimes he gets super animated on, like, a six-yard run. But, like, but it's fine. Joe Clatt, I, I, like, I think some people think that Joe Clatt has a Michigan bias, but it's like, I think he does a great job of just being like, no, they're just not playing well. Here's why they're not playing well. Yeah. And you're just like... Thank you. That's all I wanted. That's all I want from a commentator. Yeah. Sorry. Side, that, side that subject, exactly but like, I, that's what I want. Too. I that's love Joe Clatt so much. But anyway, um, so the signing of Chris Spielman, I think it's going to be great. I think his what he does in the commentary, uh, breaking down stuff is yep. really good. So I think that he does have a very good football mind. Mm-hmm. So I think being able to sit in and help like break down with 
possible GM candidates of, right. okay, like, if you had these options, what would you do? Or if right. you did this, like, mm-hmm. he, he's going to better understand them, like, Rod Wood or even and, literally yeah. anybody else would probably. Right. So I like that he's going to sit in and try to at least pick the best candidate that he thinks knows mm-hmm. the most about how mm-hmm. to build a good Here, Here's what I love about this. I love this for a multitude of reasons, okay? The first one, and I think it needs to be addressed pretty much right off the top, is I know some people were upset that he didn't get the GM job. And the first thing Spielman comes out in his interview, he goes, I'm glad I didn't get hired for that because I'm not qualified for that mm-hmm. job. Which I thought was very like, you know what? That's going to put some flames out immediately, right? Because I know some people, even some of, you know, some of our friends was like, oh, why didn't they just hire for the GM job then? And he goes, because he wasn't qualified for it. What I love about it, during his presser, he's like, I've got notebooks on notebooks on philosophy and why coaches around the league do the things that they do and all that kind of stuff. So for him to be have the ability to ask pointed questions and say, all right, what about this? What are we going to do about X, Y, and Z, right? Which I thought was really nice. And the third thing, which is something that you're going to probably see a trend of here in the next couple weeks as the season ends, as we get into more coaching searches, is a couple things. Is the is the talk of Lions culture, okay? I am so happy that he, of all people, that Chris is here as kind of like the de facto assistant to the, to the CEO role because... Nobody understands better what this Lions team has been in the past and the history and the fact that we've continuously managed to blow it year after year after year and that he understands the frustration, I think, from the fan base perspective. I think he understands the frustration from an organizational standpoint and I think that he is very much committed to saying we need to change the entire the, the entire rhetoric around this Detroit Lions organization and building something instead of... And I think it's very important to say we're not going to copy what New England's doing. We can't do it. We tried it. It was an absolute disaster, right? We can't go in with the quote-unquote hot candidate. It doesn't work like that for us. It just it doesn't click for the Lions. It'll happen for every other team. It won't happen for us. So we need to be able to do identify what we value as an organization. And I don't think there's anybody better who's lived it and played for the team to go, all right, clearly our, our ideals and our principles are misaligned. Yeah. There's a there's actually I was this is why I yeah. was just looking on my phone. Yeah. So there's a movie if you, uh, movie buffs out there. Yeah. There's a movie called Little Big League and yeah. it's about a kid who's like 12 or something who mm-hmm. takes over the GM of a baseball team. Yeah. And there's one scene in the movie where he sits down with someone interviewing for the job or something right. and they're like there's no way you can be do this job and the 12 year old's like why not? And then he starts asking like situational baseball stuff right. and he's like oh so you just pinch it and do this and do this and that's right. exactly what I think Chris Spielman like right. that's why I picture Chris Spielman exactly. doing is like okay so if you had an option between this guy or this guy or mm-hmm. you had to make this move here or this what would you do here and that's right. exactly breaking down right. everything that he I would think do he's gonna help. I think, help, I think he's going to help in talent evaluation and I think too he's going to help get the GM and the head coach I think we're going to really have a real and I know we had that with Quinn and Patricia right but I think you're really going to have a harmonious kind of relationship with what are we trying to build and what is the real vision, right? Because if you look at what Bob Quinn did, all right, and, and Matt Patricia to an extent, but let's look at Bob Quinn's history here. Bob Quinn was pretty much, it was pretty much hit or miss for the good chunk of it, right? You can look at guys like Kenny Galladay and Tracy Walker and Jonah Jackson and Deshaun Hand is rookie year, not so much now, but you, you see players where you go, those are really good picks in the middle rounds where you go, that was a hit, for sure a hit. But then you look at the Jared Davises, the Tease Tabers, the um, oh boy, what's the what was the other one that really pissed me off? Uh, <laughs> e- e- um, even the carry on, you know, some of the Johnny Tavai was a is a disaster, right? Some of these picks where you just go, what the hell are they thinking, right? Um, 
I think Spielman's going to help with the evaluation, right? And once again, it's about figuring out what's the vision. What are we going to do? It's the biggest complaint I've had with a lot of Detroit sports teams that we're finally getting out of is what's the goal? Where are we going? Are we tearing it down? Are we building up? Which one are we doing? Because if you're in the middle, you're dead. So you might as well be doing one of the two. So I can appreciate that. Um, and I'm really, really, I don't think this is a bad, I don't know how anybody can think crap on this. I get it. He doesn't have front office experience. I understand that, but he's not going to be the one making the pick, but he is going to be the one to help make sure that the guy making the pick is the most qualified person to understand not only what this team has gone through, the history behind it, why the fans are the way that they are, but also has a true roadmap not the smartest man in the room roadmap, but the true, hey, listen, I may not have all the answers, but here's what I think we need to get done. And as long as it aligns with what ownership wants, I think we're going to be in a much better place three years from now, hopefully, than, than where we are now. You know what I mean? Um, which leads me to my second point of of this GM candidacy here. Um, you've seen the Lions. The first time we saw this under new ownership after you know Ford Sr. died, um, we saw three candidates, right? I think it was Brett Kirchner from Seattle, Bob Quinn, and I think it was um, Sheldon Smith or whoever the, the or whoever the interim GM for Martin Mayhew. I think those are the only three people that they interviewed for the GM job. They had an advisor, Ernie Corsi, just went, pick one of these guys. They're all good kind of thing. Like, pick the best guy. I like Bob Quinn a lot. Pick him. And they're like, okay, we'll pick Bob Quinn. And that's how it happened, right? You're already seeing this Lions team now already do such a better job with a more thorough search. I mean, okay, we had Kyle O'Brien, Lance Newmark, and another guy from, from our tide, but Rick Smith is coming in this week. He's going to interview. Thomas Dimitrov is, is interviewed. Scott Pioli, a former GM, is going to be interviewed. Um, Lewis Riddick from ESPN, he's getting interviewed. I think Jerry Reese at some point will probably get interviewed as well. And those are just the guys that are currently available to be interviewed, right? Thomas Dimitrov is the reason, is the guy that built that roster in Atlanta to get them to a Super Bowl, right? Scott Pioli, I get it. He was from the New England tree, but he also made some really nice drafts in Kansas City. You've got Lewis Riddick, who was in player personnel for the Eagles for a really long time. He's somebody that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, definitely needs to be him. There's a lot of guys out there that the Lions are interviewing, and I'm, I'm I'm so thankful that they are broadening this search out to look. All right, we're gonna look. We're gonna make sure no stone is left unturned. No stone is left unturned, and we are gonna make sure that we get the best possible guy in here. You know that that fits the vision of how we how we need to build this team. Mm-hmm. Okay, G- give me your thoughts on just this search. And like I said, there's guys out there. Like I know Ed Dodds is a big one um, from Indianapolis. He's the assistant GM there. Everyone's like, we got to interview him. And it's like, okay, well they can't interview until their season's over with. So yeah. there's so many candidates out there. Guys from Seattle, Kevin Colbert from the Steelers could potentially. He's the GM now. He's on a one year deal. People are thinking he may be on the outs. That would be a huge win in my opinion. You want to be the Pittsburgh Steelers? Who doesn't? Um, Give me your thoughts on this, on the fact that the Lions are really seem to be doing as best a thorough job possible to get the next, the right guy yeah. for the GM. Well, I, I think you you just can't argue that they're not doing enough. Right. I think that's right. That's really what it comes down to right. is, as, as you said er, last last time they did this, it was like here's three guys, pick a guy. Yeah. This time it's like we're going to interview forty people mm-hmm. and we're going to get the best possible candidate. So you can't ever blame the Lions for not trying hard enough right. if this next one And they're insulating themselves with Spielman, right? Yeah. And, and Barry Sanders is being brought in as well uh, as an advisor just for the head coach of GM mm-hmm. search. He's you know he's just an advisor or role thing, yeah. but he is not sitting in with the universe. But the point is, is that they're putting people around Rod Wood and Sheila Ford Hamp to go, okay, 
here's what we have in mind. Here's our questions. What are we missing? Because they're basically admitting, hey, we may not have all the right questions. So help us with that. And Spielman and Barry and these guys would be like, no, no, this is what we need to figure out. This is, you know, here's X, Y, Z, A, B, C of these are the things that we need to ask them. And it needs to be a pointed, what are you going to do mm -hmm. for this situation, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. And I'm, I'm just really hoping that they can find the right coach yeah. to adequately like, right. agree with what the GM wants. And I think if they take all this time finding the right GM, mm -hmm. I think that they're going to take ample, the same an right. ample amount of time to find the right coach. And I think it's just so much better than going, all right, so it's going to take like three days to figure out Bob Quinn, and Bob Quinn already has this guy in mind. So yeah. within four days, It was obvious pretty much apparently that he wanted to fire Caldwell as fast as possible, but they made the playoffs so he couldn't. Yeah, right? exactly. So like I know Robert Salah is still probably the favorite to land this job, which I'm not necessarily mad about, right? But I, I want them to do a, th a thorough search. I know Rick Smith, the former GM from the Houston Texans, put together a pretty good Houston Texans team over the last mm -hmm. few years before he was let go because Bill O'Brien kind of took over. But, you know, so there, there are moves to be made here. And, and if you're a Lions fan, as much as you have every right to be cynical about this process, I'm not go I'm going to be very optimistic about the fact that at least they're, they're doing as best a job possible, in my opinion, that they can do. You know, they didn't hire some agency just to give you a list of all the people you already knew you could interview anyway. They're bringing in guys from around the league that are well-respected among the league, that have ties to your organization, that have a, a legitimate interest, a vested interest. I mean, obviously because they're getting paid by the team, but, you know, have a vested interest in this team succeeding, right? Like, Spielman could just be like, no, I don't want to come here. I don't, I don't care about this team. Barry very well could have, right? I'm waiting for Calvin to get brought back home. I know it's coming. You got to feel it, right? So... With a lot of this stuff, you're just like, okay, what, you know, they're they're doing everything you could possibly ask them to do in order to find the right guy. Is it going to work? I don't know. And, and we can't say that for sure, you know. And will I probably be excited no matter who they hire? Probably, just because it's new and shiny and, and the possibilities are endless. But I'm, I'm really, really excited for the fact that they were able to go out there get some people in that understand this culture, understand the, 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 the madness that we've had to endure from all the losing for all this time to now go like, you know what? No, it needs to be, we need to change this narrative and we no longer need to fit somebody else's culture or try to replicate a culture from a successful organization. We need to develop our own. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And how do we flesh that out? So super duper excited about that. My next point, though, I want to talk about is what the first real major decision this new GM and new head coach are going to have, and that's the future of Matthew Stafford. Now, as we all know at this point, I am a Matthew Stafford fan, just a little bit. I may or may not be his number one fan. We're, well, it's fine. <laughs> we um, but with that being said, he's getting older. I know he's playing as of this recording on Sunday. Um, hope he throws five touchdowns and they still somehow lose because that's kind of how this happens. Um, but... You know, his future is in doubt, right? Two years left on a contract. He's been banged up a little bit. This has not been his most shining season in the world. You know, way too many interceptions. Um, you know, you can attest it to what it is, but the other day he's got to take better care of the ball. Um, he's in his mid-30s, and you're probably, if you lose out, probably have a top 10 pick. I think number 8 is what you said, Mike. I think yeah, if they like lose that. out, if it falls yeah, out. right now I think they're 12 or 13. Yeah. So I'm assuming if they lose out and other teams do whatever, they'll yeah. probably get in the top ten. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Either way, you'll be you'll be right up there. You'll be in the front half of the draft for yeah. sure. Um, 
And there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft, right? And that's going to be the first decision for this major GM is what do we do with Matthew Stafford? Because the cap hit is still large. If they trade him away, I know people are like, oh, let's just trade him away and get a first-round pick. It goes, okay, first off, you have to be sure you're going to get a first-round pick, which I think is at minimum what you need to get in return for him. And number two is... Um, you know, what does your financial situation look like? Kenny Galladay has now gone on record to say, I want to be a Detroit Lion, and you need to figure that situation out now. Like, that, that, is, a, that is a priority number one for you. Um, this whole defense, outside of, like, five guys, needs to get redone. Um, you're going to have a lot of changing pieces here. Um, give me your thoughts. What, where, where would you like to see them go? Because I have my thoughts, I have reservations, but I can make the argument for both. So give me, yeah. give me one side of it. Um, well, my side is I would love for them to pick a quarterback early. Pick whatever guy that you, you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence and you're not going to get Justin Fields. You could probably pull just about any of the rest of them, I'm going to yeah. assume. Probably. Unless depending someone, on, how, the, depending how, on how, how it looks, right? Yeah, depending on if anyone else, like if Dallas somehow for some reason wants to take one or something. San Francisco, San Chicago. San Francisco could move up. Chicago could get up there or yep. whatever. So depending on what those teams do, you're probably looking at, you could take Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, uh, Trey, Lance. Trey Lance, any of these guys that are going to be in the first round, second round availability. I would take whoever you like out of those, I guess, three probably the yeah. most. Have them sit behind Stafford. And maybe if you get, I guess, lucky in an air quote way, because I don't know if it's necessarily lucky, if he can somehow come in and play through the season. Yeah. And he does, and then you can see if he does well, if he doesn't do well. But I'm, I'm in, in the notion of taking a quarterback first right. and i don't care if it's the third quarterback off the table because we like it's not the thing anymore where it's not this this quarterback draft is class it's not just all right andrew luck and nobody else or stafford and nobody else mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. It, it looks like it's pretty wide open right. so i think you could take a zach wilson or mac jones and, and be, conf- be, and be yeah. confident that right. you can be successful with them. yeah i think mac jones probably is a second round guy in my opinion right now i know he's playing well but alabama quarterbacks they do have a stigma i mean aj mccarron had the best four years you could ever have yeah. as a quarterback and he still went in i think the second or third round so and he has not played well as a starter in this league so there's a little bit of concern there with mac jones but i get your point though in that you know, there's really two sides of this coin, right? It's okay. Do you take one? And I've seen a multitude of people. You know, you can make, you can dress it up however you want. It's really going to be what this, what the coach wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to have a veteran guy? Do you want to build a team around him? Which I think is kind of the trend right now. You look at the teams that have taken quarterbacks or made the jump to take a quarterback. The Chiefs were a playoff caliber team. They take Mahomes. Now they're unstoppable. The Bears. Had a, a top two defense, one of the best defenses we've seen in the past seven, eight years. They take Trubisky thinking he was going to be the final piece of the offense. Clearly, it hasn't worked, but that was the thought, right? Um, you know, you, you know the Giants. They okay. We got a good running back. We got an okay defense. All right, we're going to take Daniel Jones, and then we're going to put pieces around him. Okay, that really hasn't seemed to necessarily work, but that was the thought, right? So you've seen some teams. Put, you know, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore, they had a first-round pick earlier in that draft. They take a tight end who's not even on the roster anymore, and then they trade back up to get Lamar because they think they have a playoff team, and now they put, you know, everything around him. Okay, let's just plop the quarterback in, and let's reap the benefits of it. So you've seen the blueprint for that, and it's worked, you know, about a 50-50 shot, if we're being honest with ourselves, right? The other logic is, okay, take your quarterback first, put a team around him. We've seen that before, and that is my biggest concern about taking a quarterback in the first round, right? 
Um, and I think that's really the only round you should be taking one in if you're going to take one because taking one in the second round, you're taking a, a bit of a flyer on a position that needs to be rock solid. You can't win in this league with a below average quarterback play. It is not possible. You can have the best defense in the world. You will not win a championship. It's not a thing. We've seen it with Jacksonville. We've seen it with Chicago. We've seen it with Pittsburgh even, right? With Roethlisberger's not, they're not scoring. They're not winning. Mm -hmm. You know, Baltimore, great defense. Lamar sucks sometimes. They're not winning. It's just how it is. You need good quarterback play in this league to win. So if you're going to take one, it better be in the first round of the draft, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a little bit scary to think that you're taking a guy, okay, this is going to be the dude. You better hope you're right because if this new regime, I just got all excited about talking about this potential new regime that's coming in here and giving the Lions so much credit for evaluating as many people as possible and really doing the research. It's going to be the same thing for this new GM and new head coach because it, this is the pick that's going to define you or not, right? Brian Flores' career in Miami is going to depend on whether or not Tua is going to be a stud. It's just how it is, right? We haven't. I think Tua's played okay. He hasn't. He's played really well. I think. I think he's been fine. You know. I think the team has played really well, right? I think he's fitted nicely. Herbert playing really, really well for the, mo the last couple of weeks have been meh. But overall, he's been playing really well. But his team sucks, right? It's just how it is. He's probably going to have a new head coach. You know, Joe Burrow was playing pretty solid football. Team still sucks. So the the concern for me is okay. Say Zach Wilson's the guy for them. Okay, they take him at nine. Let's just pick up a number, right? We've already seen what happens when you take the quarterback first and then try to build around it. We've been doing that now for, looking at my fake watch, I don't know, 12 years with Matt Stafford. And they've yet to be able to do it. So you got to have the thought that if you want to take the quarterback, that's fine. But A, he better be the guy. And B, there better be a roadmap to putting things around him to help him succeed. Because Patrick Mahomes coming into a situation like Sam Darnold went into, he, it, Mahomes would still be probably playing really well. But would they be this unstoppable force that the Chiefs are? No, they would not, right? It's all about situations and all about setting up this kid to succeed from the get-go yeah. other than letting him get destroyed for four years. Yeah. Now, to that point, I would say that I do think through Stafford's early part of his career, not every year, but yeah. that 20, what was it, 13, when they lost to Dallas, yeah. that I think they, that was set, a solid they, team. they set everything up mm -hmm. from Stafford getting drafted, all those drafts for that one team, because yeah. they were going to try to make that one run, and unfortunately just didn't work for them, right. and then afterwards it but but then it, But then it fell, but my point is, is that you but, need to build a team of consistency, right? Like, we haven't had, we have not had a top 15 defense, and I think... 10 out of the 11 years that the, he's been yeah. that he's been on the team, right? We have not had I mean, you can count the number of 100-yard rushers we've had in the game. You can count the the Lions average 85 yards a game rushing the football since Stafford's been drafted. That is worse than the league and it's not even close. We have had individual tremendous skill position players. Calvin Johnson, no doubt. Kenny Galladay playing really well. Marvin has been, you know, been very solid. Golden Tate has his best years here. But has it ever been all together? No, yeah. it hasn't, right? And so my point is is that in this case where you look at all the successful quarterbacks in the league, yes, they elevate their team to another level, but it's never, as much as we'd like to say it, it's never been just Brady. Mm -hmm. It's never been just Rodgers. In the years that it has been just Rodgers, they haven't won. And, and you know what I mean? They haven't gotten to the Super Bowl. They haven't gotten to multiple championships. Even Mahomes, 
for as much credit as we want to give him, they, they don't win that Super Bowl without San Francisco throwing the ball. They don't win that Super Bowl without Damian Williams going bananas in a Super Bowl. So it, it takes a team effort to get there. And where the Lions want to be as a consistent contender, you need to make sure that this kid coming in, if they take one early, has to have a competent, I'm not even saying great, but just competent team around him. Because if you're going to ask a rookie quarterback or a, a second-year quarterback with no starting experience to put this team on his shoulders and go in football games like you've done with number nine his entire career, it's a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. So it just needs to be a very thought-out idea if they're going to take one. That's my only thing. I, I, I won't be shocked if they do it. I won't even be mad if they do it. But... It's just one of those things to where I think sometimes Detroit fans don't appreciate the fact of what you've had for the last 10 years because how many years now where you know, you're know you picking you know wherever and you go, you know what we don't have to worry about? Quarterback. Isn't that so nice not to worry about your quarterback? Mm -hmm. Isn't it so nice not to worry about, oh my God, who the hell is going to be starting for us at the most important position? Those are the kind of things that I think Lions fans have kind of gotten numb to because you've had Matt Stafford and... You don't know, you don't remember what it's like when you were deciding between Josh McCown and John Kitna, who your starter was going to be. You don't remember Dante Culpepper being assigned off the couch to come start football games. People may not remember Dan Orlowski running back out of the end zone. You may not remember Mike McMahon or Joey Harrington or Andre Ware or Scott Mitchell or name a guy, name anybody who's played quarterback for this team from Bobby Lane up until Matt Stafford. I'll give you a hint. It's all garbage. So to say that this is a lock and it's a layup and this is easy the way to do it, there needs to be a lot of thought put into it and the, and the picture will become very clear very soon. Um so it's just something to be to be aware of. Um, do you have any favorites for the GM's position right now? Like, cause it's so hard for me no. because like you look at guys like Rick Smith, you're like, oh, he drafted Sean Watson. Okay, check. Right. You look at Thomas Dimitrov. Okay, he drafted his first pick was Matt Ryan, and he made the bull move to go get Julio Jones, and they built a Super Bowl team. But the last few years, they've drafted like absolute hot garbage. So you're like. It's for me. Do you have a favorite right now? Is there a, is there some is there a team that you like as far as what their philosophy is drafting? Maybe that that you'd like to go. If we could maybe do some of that, because I even like New New England does not draft well. No. They have not drafted well in a long time, and you're seeing that as they're five and or six and six or six and seven now. Uh, I I would say maybe recently probably either like a Baltimore Buffalo Baltimore I love um, Baltimore's drafts every Baltimore, year Baltimore just Jeez, takes, Baltimore just does a great I don't I, I don't I, don't, I, I don't. think Baltimore gets really like because like like this past year right you look and it's like all right well, so Patrick Queen falls the, Patrick the best Queen's linebacker falls to him when like. Seattle should have taken them. They Green Bay is like, we're not going to take a linebacker when we need help. We're going to take a back quarterback yeah, <laughs> for the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would say like Baltimore, Buffalo, um, those kind of teams are. I'd really say good. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I'd say Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is historically there too. Yeah. But there's no one that really shoots out. To you me know who else like. who drafts really well that I hate to admit it is Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. I, there's been years where you go, oh, those were bad. Like the one year I think they drafted. Um, Cornell Patterson and Sharif Floyd in the same draft, yeah. and that was a bad draft. But, like, last couple years, okay, you get Dalvin Cook, you get Justin Jefferson, Anthony Barr. Like, there's a lot of people where you just go, wow, those are really, like, some studs, mm -hmm. you know. So they, they always draft seemingly pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a well. necessary As a guy name. yet. Yeah, I think there's a couple guys that I'm, I'm leaning uh, against. I don't want Scott Pioli to come here um, just because I don't – you know, for me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. He's been out of the game for a hot minute, and you know his the the time in Kansas City didn't weren't very fruitful. They started three and thirteen, and by the time he left, they were still three and thirteen. That doesn't make me very excited. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov is a little bit 
wishy-washy for me just because lately ugh, and they and he has a very similar draft philosophy that Bob Quinn does and the biggest thing that I can say is a fault of Bob Quinn and his draft style take the picks out of it for a second is lack of thought of athleticism you know as a player right like okay wow this guy's a great scheme fit awesome but is he an athlete can he can he run can he like I know it sounds stupid but Jelani Tavai would not have been a second round pick if like you know what I mean like looking what he's playing like now he's slow he can't do much Jared Davis can run really fast but he's got no football IQ so you got to be able to put together a complete player Mm -hmm. I feel like Bob Quinn was like wow he's really smart so we're going to take him, even though he runs a 7-4 or 40, right? Tease Tabor was great in man-to-man coverage against the slower guys. you know. So yeah. it's like those are the kind of situations where I go, sometimes you just need a good athlete, right? Anthony Barr is just a freak athlete. So it's like maybe we just take that. Yeah, you, know? What, you know, God forbid, right? You know, It's very frustrating at times. So nonetheless, very exciting times. We'll keep you updated as always on the Lions GM search, on the head coaching search. I'm really excited to see after the season or once the teams kind of drop off in the playoffs hit, where else, who else they're going to look at yeah. um, because I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, it'll be exciting for sure. Yeah, I've, I've always looked more like head coach because I'm always like scheme oh, yeah. over stuff. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, even if you don't have the – so I, I always look right. at like who the coach is going to be. And the so other thing, one thing too, that I'm glad you mentioned, mentioned that too. The last thing I want to talk about with the Spielman thing is that, you know, Spielman said something that I thought was really nice where he's like, we're going to hire a guy who's a great leader who may not be – a super genius or something like that. Like he basically said, he's like, he's smart. The guy, he's like the, the leader we're going to hire and the people that we're going to bring in are going to be smart enough to know they may not know everything. So we're going to bring in people who know more than me. Right. So to me, you know what that says? Whoever the head coach is, we need to make sure that our head coach is hiring some really good coordinators. Mm-hmm. So not our mentor from Boston College who is, has a small stroke on the sidelines, right? We're going to bring – so Robert Sala is the guy. Okay, we're going to bring in a really good D coordinator. Even though defense is my thing, you know, because I think the, I think sometimes the fault is that, okay, well, this person presides over really good defense, so they're going to bring the defense here. Yeah, the scheme as a whole, of course, but you still need a guy to implement that. I don't, I, you know, it's coming to the point where I don't like when head coaches are calling plays and, and, and calling the defense or the offense. I want that guy to be in control of the game and be able to delegate out to your coordinators how to call these games. We haven't had that in a, in a little while here. So that's, yes. I think that is so important. That's why I, I see, I guess it's kind of in the middle because I love yeah. stuff like what, um, what like the Rams do, I guess. Right. I'll throw it out where right. I like when, there's just like one side that's just completely like mm-hmm. taken over by a court. Like I'm like, like what Sean McVay does, I think is absolutely perfect. Yeah. Where I think he doesn't does he call does he call the offensive plays? I there? think he I think he's still or does he have like strong play? input or something. I think he's it? I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's maybe calling the plays still, but he does have a court. He's had several coordinators now that are like super high. Like the guy who's the head coach of. Uh, Cincinnati now yeah. he was that he was the offense coordinator slash quarterback coach for them and they and like he has great assistance yeah. is what what I'm saying yeah for sure. and that's exactly what I want with yeah. if if you bring in Soleil I want a great offensive coordinator right. where Soleil's like okay me and you gonna work on the defense you got offense and you take it yeah that's we need really a proven I, guy that's like no no this this stuff's gonna get turned up in yes. a heartbeat right absolutely no for sure is that you know 
you know, I think that's the one thing Caldwell... Caldwell did not bring in good coordinators. Joel Lombardi was a disaster. Terrell Lawson had one good season, and then it was a disaster after that. But I will say that he, because of that, though, he was able to manage the game and was able to be more in tune with everything going on, where Patricia's still wondering how, you know, to stop a small screen. So it's, you know, those are the kind of things where you're just like, all right, you know, that that's that's something very important I think Lions fans need to focus on, too, is, okay, Robert Sala is your head coach. Cool. Who is he bringing in now? Because yes. that is important. What is the staff going to look like? What is the resume? What are we going to look like in three years? Because that is the point that we need to get to. Um, do we get any news yet on the on the final four front no, yet? Can, Not yet. Give me like ten minutes. All right. So okay. We'll, okay. We'll okay let's, all right. Let's talk ratings here. Let's talk WWE ratings here. I I, I went on my Lions soapbox for the week. Yes. Um, ratings though for the WWE. I was talking to you, Mike, before the show. I think our very first show. We talked about how raw ratings and WWE ratings were in the toilet. And we talked That's about, funny. like, it can't get worse, can it? And WWE went, hold my beer. <laughs> and they did. Yeah, so, um, you know, raw getting its lowest ratings, I think, ever in history. They're not good. I don't know the exact numbers, but let me just say it's not good. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure over the three hour last week, they yeah. got a 1.5. Was that, what, was million, it, yeah, was that it was a 1.56? 1.56. I thought, thought that's what it was, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we're looking at this and you go, okay. And, and when you watch the show, if you could sit through that three hours, it, th- there's nothing happening. You know what I mean? There's not, there's nobody being built. Not, It's just kind of, we're just spinning. It's like we're just kind of la la la. And I get it. The go-home shows to pay-per-views suck, usually, right? They're not good. But I'd like to say that that's not been the consistent, but it's been the consistent, you know what I mean? Like, For a long time. And it's, it's even gotten to the point, too, it's like the show after a pay-per-view sucks, which usually should be a hot show, right? Coming out of TLC tomorrow night, or uh, when you guys hear this, tonight on Monday, all right, what's happening next, right? We got the Royal Rumble in a month. What are we doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so difficult, right? Um, so it's, it's tough. I mean, give me, you know, but the, the, there is some reports, there's been some conflicting reports about whether USA is not happy with the ratings, right? But apparently there's been some consistency as far as WWE officials going, oh, that's not good. We knew we were doing bad, not that bad. Yes. Um, so there is some talk throughout the online circles. I'm sure any any WWE writers like, it's all crap, you're not, you don't know anything, but we got to go with what we get with, is that there's potential that this upcoming, not TLC tonight, which obviously we'll review next week, but um, with the Royal Rumble coming up, serving as almost kind of a reboot and to kind of kick off some major storylines, some major angles to kind of really kind of be a little bit more reactionary than we'd like to see, but hey, something is better than nothing, I guess. Um, give me your thoughts on the state of the product for WWE right now. It's not good. Wrestling as a whole, I know people like to say, oh, AEW's killing NXT, but AEW's not blowing the doors off of anything. You don't have any competition on a Wednesday night right now if you're AEW, and you're still only pulling in a million viewers. WCW, at its worst, and I'm talking at its Vince Russo-y, you know, Nancy Steiner on a pole match, kind of thing, you know, finding the world championship in a box and hoping to pick you right the, the pick the right box. That was actually a match that that Booker T won the world title in was there was a four-corner match where you had to pick a box and it was the box with the belt in it. Swear to god that actually happened. I believe you. So, with that being said, WCW was still doing better numbers than every other wrestling show right now. Now, I get it. There's more stuff to watch. W- wrestling is not as hot as it was in the mid mid nine mid to late nineties and early two thousands. I understand that, but once again, let's take these numbers with a grain of salt. They're still not very good. So, back to my question though for you, Mike. 
Give me your thoughts on... I think SmackDown is the better show by far. It's just the problem that it's on Fridays. If it was on Thursday, I'd watch it way more than I, than I would if it was on Fridays. But give me your thoughts on the product as a whole. What are you hoping this reboot we get out of this? I mean, do you have a favorite for the Rumble right now? Because it's a pick for me. Um, I'm, I'm saying Goldberg just to piss myself off. <laughs> Um, no, Maybe take I, your coat well, back already. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. Pulls have a, a farve. Yeah, I don't. I hope not. Um, I don't have a favorite. If I if I had to pick one at this moment, I would say like Daniel Bryan would probably win because he'd probably challenge Roman Reigns, make it a good match or something. Great match. But um, I think what they should do for WWE to help their ratings out is I think they should just kind of merge some of these titles together okay. to not have as much. Individ- like I, I don't think you well, especially the tag. I, mean, I think yeah. we could easily agree on the tag one. Right. I think they need to mix those together because <sighs> if you just have five teams fighting for the one instead of five teams fighting splitting, for two, fighting so for you got two, you get one tag team on one show and three on the other. That's how it is right now. That's how literally it is right now. If you just had like the women's one where you can kind of go to all the brands and kind of just like Ugh. do everything with Raw and SmackDown NXT's doing actually pretty fine right now with the tag team. Yeah, they're going to have a big street fight for the tag titles next Yeah, week, there's actually. like four or five teams yeah. fighting over there. But for the main roster, you can kind of go back and forth with them. And honestly, I'd be cool with just about all the titles outside of the mid-card titles becoming one. I would love if they did McIntyre and Reigns for a unification match. Oh, man, talk that, about that's that. That's probably the biggest yeah. match you could have. Yeah, no kidding. And outside I, of Rock and Roman. I think that's the only caveat to that yeah. because Real Rock is the biggest movie star in the world. But yeah. I, I, your point is still taken. But like wrestlers are wrestling right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. be your biggest match. Absolutely. Because, but I think mixing the titles together would, one, for every single one of these monthly pay-per-views, I don't know why you have monthly pay-per-views still because why not, I guess. <laughs> um, they just make Raw and SmackDown worse. But if you mix them together, you could have one big world title match. So for that, like TLC, you have one TLC match, and that's for the world title. Right. Or Hell in the Cell, you have a Hell in the Cell match for the world title. Right. You don't have like six different matches of these. And then you can keep your mid-card title so you have everything, something for all the people to mm-hmm. do so you can mm-hmm. fight for these two. Mm-hmm. And then merge the women's division because the women's division's very low also yeah. and you can get really you can get Shane on Sasha mm-hmm. Shane on Bailey Bailey versus and you have so many different possibilities that it keeps the shows more fresh and it keeps it where like you have since they're doing smaller matches on these shows anyway you have six matches packed with one world title match two mid cards a women's tag you're done and it's right. a great show so well, I think that would be awesome yeah do. and you know here's the problem too is that I think the reason why they won't they won't combine the titles is because I think they're using the championships as a crutch to further the actual story itself mm-hmm. does that make sense right oh, like, yeah. like there's no reason for you know Sasha and Carmella to be fighting other than this Smackdown women's championship mm-hmm. right there's nothing else personal about it there is no reason that Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens are fighting unless it's for the universal title blah 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 right um you know I would personally love to go back to a time where it was just okay we had the WWE championship we had the Intercontinental Championship. We had a sub-title after that, right? Yep. Even if you don't want to degrade the U.S. title, I get it, even though it's basically dead as is, where we had a European Championship or a, you know, a TV title that could be whatever, right? Um, and then we had the tag titles, and we had a women's championship, and that was it, right? But other people, here's the thing. You can still have eight matches on a show, but have some rivalry stuff, right? Like, I can have yes. Kurt Angle and Rock for the world title in my main event, but you know what my sub-main event is? Stone Cold and Triple H, right? And just a and just a street fighter, or, or just a match, because there's a rivalry there that we've built yes. over time. Right now, they're, they're so reliant upon, okay, well, they're going to fight because it's for the U.S. championship. Okay, but... Uh, 
but the U.S. title means nothing to me. So yeah. this this means nothing at yeah, all, I agree. right? So, and I, I think one thing that AEW does very well that WWE doesn't very do do well at all. Mm-hmm. To your point, yeah. is I think you have guys like Cody mm-hmm. and like some of these mid tier guys right. right now, at least, mm-hmm. who can build really good stories without the titles. Right. So like. I, that's why I loved giving the title to someone like Darby because you could go, okay, Darby and you for that title. Right. Cody can Cody just have can a still, great yeah, right. grudge match with like Brody because Lee. Because they still have top tier talent. Right now you're looking at this roster. Okay, you got Roman. You've got Orton. You've got uh, Drew McIntyre. I guess The Fiend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Strowman just because he's big. Yes. Daniel Bryan. Am I missing anybody? No, they got pretty quiet after that one. Right? Like I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to like I'm like legitimately thinking right now. Is yep. there anybody else that I'm missing? Um I think they're doing okay, I'll say they're doing a good job with like Jey Uso. I think they're making him pretty legit. Oh, they've elevated him for sure. And when when his brother comes back, they're gonna, they're gonna be, be awesome. Phenomenal it's gonna be tag fan, team. fantastic. Um but like from the Kevin Owens, I guess you could say, but I know he's gonna lose tonight, so it's like I got oh AJ, AJ, yeah, AJ, AJ, AJ you could say AJ. But outside of that, yeah, there's not really there's no but, main event. But that's oh, why I guess I, Rollins too. I'll, I'll give Rollins. Yeah, but Rollins too. Yeah. But I think that's why if you say if you merge that title, uh, just no, make it I one agree. Title. Make, all of a sudden, the division becomes oh look, you've got six or seven guys yeah. instead of oh you got three on each. And he's gonna run through. Could it in you three imagine? Months. And this would be like a dream scenario that I know they would never do. Yeah. But if you did like some kind of like tournament. Going into like SummerSlam, and you put those eight guys in mm-hmm. some like mm-hmm. G1 mm-hmm. Super Junior mm-hmm. New Japan kind of yep. tournament where they all yep. just verse each other. You have Monday, okay. Three You've got meaningful matches, matches on on Raw and SmackDown for yeah. sure. Yep, absolutely. And you use that to build the SummerSlam, where SummerSlam then would mean something. It's like, oh, the winner of this tournament gets a shot at the world title, and there's only one, so yeah. this is the big, yeah, this bad is the big title that everyone right. wants to go after. I think it would just make the show so much better, it's, and it would yeah. make Raw and SmackDown just need way to, more they, enjoyable. And, and honestly, too, I think, too, what they need is they need a little bit more infusion of talent. I think they need to yeah. cut some of the fat a little bit. Some of these guys that you're just like, all right, you know what I mean? And I think they need to bring some of these guys from NXT up. Like, you know, Adam Cole needs to be brought up pretty much immediately. I don't know why it's taking so long. I get it. They're afraid of his height, but like the dude literally carried the brand for two years. He needs to get brought up. I think Champa is wasting away in NXT right now. I know he's doing the thing with Thatcher. I get it, but I feel like he could really help. I think Karrion Cross is a main event level guy. I get why he hasn't been moved up yet, but TikTok on that one, right? No pun intended. Um, there are certain guys on that roster where I go, okay, I'm ready now. You know, and I, uh, the sad part is Keith Lee for me was not one of those guys. I think Keith Lee could have been in NXT a lot longer and held the title and ran with it for a bit and said they forced it. And now he's lost in the sh- Matt Riddle, another guy, lost in the shuffle. So it's like you've got some new talent that you're not using, and then you have a lot of talent in NXT where it's like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of problems. Um, you know, what is the, you know, is, is there one thing or is there, is, I mean, for you, what's your roadmap to get to get them back? They're not going to get rid of championships. It's not going to happen, right? But so, is there one match? Is there a feud? Or is there something that they can do at the Rumble or p- before WrestleMania to go? All right, I'm hooked. Like let's let's see where this goes. Is it? I think they're going to come out with some sort of faction or something. They're going to do. Um, I heard they they did a trademark for another for a name or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't remember what it's called at the moment though, but. Like, I'm waiting for them to do something like that. I'm hoping they just kill Retribution, which they're not going to, but, like, and bring in something. Like, I feel like that's coming for whatever reason, but is there an angle? Is there something? Is it a guy coming up where you're like, oh, okay, let's see where this goes? Or, if, like, if Drew drops the title at TLC, and then we're going to go, oh, 
okay, maybe AJ, okay, are we going to see Drew win the Rumble again or, or something like yeah. that? Or, like, is there anything right now that's going to, I mean, we're going to watch Mania regardless, yeah. but is there anything that makes you go, oh, I want to see that? Not, not I'm necess- putting you on the spot because it's, it's hard because, like, here's the world. Yeah, something. yeah literally anything. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I'm try- trying to go through scenarios. It's not anything that would just, like, yeah. oh, my God, that would, like, I know. blow me away right now. Same. Um, yeah, it's hard. I would... I would be cool if they could resurrect the if they brought back Adam Cole and had him challenge Drew McIntyre because that brings back from when oh, Adam yeah, Cole from the NXT when, oh when he debuted by that super amazing. kicking him. So that's just like a really long. I I enjoy long term storytelling, which I I, do they too. don't do at all. Mm-hmm. But that's something with New Japan for New Japan fans where it's like they like it's like a thank you for watching this long. Mm-hmm. So because it'll be like two years. And then something happens, and you're like, "Wow, I remember two years or whatever." Yeah, that that, oh wow, that was a full circle build, yeah, right like, there. Like the right. Okada Omega thing, where right. they finally he finally wins the title, and the whole build was there was only one guy to ever give me a blemish. It was this guy, so right. we're gonna challenge, and then he wins it or whatever. Yeah, it's just such like a year and a half long build. Yeah. I I, w- I would think that would be cool to have like Adam Cole come back and be like, "Listen, I came in super kicking you, and I'm gonna win the title by super kick or something right. like right, whatever." Right, right, for sure. I oh, think that sure. I think that would be a cool absolutely. Enter for them and yeah. whatever. So I guess that would be the one thing I would point to. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I just want you know what I want more than anything is I just want the mid card championships to feel like something again. Like yeah. that United States title must throw garbage right now. Bobby Lashley held the title for how long? No one cares, yeah. right? Nobody cares. When you got Apollo Cruz holding the United States Championship, seventy five year old Rey Mysterio holding the United States Championship, MVP kind of but not really. Like yeah. it, you know, it's like ugh, you know. Some of those guys, like I just want, I, you might as well get rid of it and, mm. and make and and demote that championship to something else because it, it, it feels like right now the Intercontinental title. I love that Sami Zayn's Intercontinental yeah. champion, absolutely love. It. I think he's doing a great job. However, there's a lot of work to be done to make that championship feel like it's worth anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Similarly to the United States title, that thing is dead. It's not even. There's no heartbeat on that thing anymore. It's dead. You can change it up as many times as you want, but it's dead. Mm-hmm. So. With that being said, I just wish that they would put a little more emphasis on those championships and make it feel like, man, if you win the Intercontinental title, that's supposed to be a precursor to something, right? It was supposed to be. You're the Intercontinental champion. All right, that means you're, you're potentially going to be fighting for the big title at some point. Yeah. Or, if nothing else, you're super entertaining, so let's keep you relevant, yeah. right? Something. You know, Shinsuke Nakamura's Intercontinental champion. I love Shinsuke. Don't matter, though, if he's Intercontinental Champion, you know? Mm-hmm. Some of these guys that they're using, Dolph Ziggler, the Robert Roode, Cesaros, those are the guys that I'd like to see mm-hmm. in those matches, not, ah, you know. Cesaro, uh, yes, I would love to see Right? Cesaro. No kidding. God forbid they use one of the best play- best guys they have. Yep. You know, shocker. Uh, all right. That Let's, never yeah, I know. It's, it's sad. But we're going to keep an update on it. Well, obviously, we're going to review TLC next week. Um, and hopefully, maybe after we see some more shows, if we get any sort of semblance for a, a favorite for the Rumble, because right now it's slim pickings. I, I guess you could say Daniel Bryan. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like you will by the time we start predicting the yeah. Rumble, we'll have a name a because feel? they're gonna build someone in four weeks right. that's gonna be like, oh, that's gonna be the guy to win the Rumble. That scares me so uh, much. It, it that's does, gonna be Keith it? Lee, yeah. and it's gonna be really sad, but it's fine. <laughs> um, nothing against Keith Lee, great athlete, but he's he wrestles. Uh, I mean, but he's boring. No offense. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk here. Let's talk. Let's talk Final Four action here. Do we yeah. do we have an official report yet? Or no, are they so, still? Yeah, they're teasing? just kind of they're kind of teasing and talking. Right 
right now, so hopefully in the next, uh, like, 10 minutes. All right, let's talk about it. the three basic guarantees then right now, right? Yeah. So let's talk about these championship games. Let's talk on the first one. Let's talk Bama first, right? Okay. Great game against Florida. Florida doesn't go away quietly at all. They put up a great fight. Easily could have gone out of hand a couple points in that game where I go, oh, this, game, this game's over. And I come back, I'm like, oh, look, they're within seven. All right, let's, let's keep going. Um... Big statement win by Alabama, though. Clearly their biggest win of the year, right? Obviously, SEC championship game. They beat Florida again. It's like, okay, put that stamp down. Like, nope, it's our it's our time. Um, you know, they're just they're just flush with talent. Um, it, are you concerned at all about the defense, though? I mean, you know, they let up, you know, 40 points nearly. And some big plays. And, and Trask missed a couple early. That, mm-hmm. that game definitely could have been a lot closer early on than it was. You know, Florida was in that game. As much yes. as people don't want to say they were, they were. Um, yeah, Florida was on the like. Florida is what, and I told you this earlier. Yeah. Florida is what Oklahoma I thought would be right. in the last couple playoff yeah. games For sure. against LSU and against mm-hmm. Alabama, the two times or whatever they mm-hmm. lost to them. Yeah. Where I thought that it would be a shootout, but I thought it'd be like it's it's close. It's mm-hmm. kind of a dog, and then Alabama kind of just like it's too much and overwhelms them at the very end. Right, and that's kind of what this game was. Yeah, where Alabama shot out to an early twenty-one to ten lead. I'm pretty sure it was, mm-hmm. and then it was like Florida's like we're still there, but we just need to stop. Yeah. And the defense is like, we are not getting that stop here anytime soon. <laughs> so they're like, just get us to stop and we can yeah, get back in this game. until the late third quarter. No, yeah, no, their it. first punt, yeah. I think, was the middle of the third quarter or something. Yeah. And they only had the one turnover that was initially fumbled, yeah. Yeah. which then turned into a touchdown for Alabama. The so, next play, too, yeah. by the way. Like, so literally the next their play. Their first six drives were touchdown, touchdown, interception, but they got the ball right back. Yeah. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Right. Went into halftime or whatever. Right. So, um... I think that you just saw that Florida's defense was not no, the no. team that you needed. You needed Florida's defense to basically just hold off enough, and you needed your offense to be perfect. perfect. And in Trask, especially early on in that game, he missed a couple long throws that were touchdown, literally like seven yards of separation. These are touchdowns, yeah. and he missed him, which which you know you can't expect got to be perfect, but they needed to be perfect offensively to get the job done, and they weren't able to do it. So, but are you concerned at all about Bama's defense though? Like. You know, they, they they made a graphic which I thought was funny. The first like three or four games are averaging like thirty points a game allowed, and then the last six or whatever they played, they've allowed like eleven. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, well, let's look at the schedule here a little bit on that one too before yeah. we start doing that. But they let up forty points against or close to forty against you know Florida. You're gonna be playing some high powered offenses, either whether it's Clemson, um, Ohio State to a certain extent, you know, whether it's Texas A&M or Notre Dame, whoever we know is the yeah. final is the fourth team. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Very concerned about that defense. And I think last week, I think you and Kyle both took Alabama. And you were like, yeah, pretty easily. At least Kyle did. Yeah. It was like, yeah, pretty I was, easily. I was, I was a little more him-hawing, but I'm, I'm, I'd am I'm, like to actually go on the record to switch my vote if I can to Clemson. <laughs> I, I literally – I will get I to them you. in a second, but keep going. Okay. But, yeah, you guys were like, yeah. You. If it's allowed. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, I remember just like – you guys were like, yeah, their defense it was hard. is so good and their offense hard. is so explosive. Mm-hmm. And I go, you guys just have to wait – until they play off Florida, where yeah. they play Ohio. No, they're you're just, right. You're absolutely me, right. Let's yeah. just wait to see. Because I watched Clemson without Trevor Lawrence and without five defensive players put up 41 points against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So let's just wait until Alabama plays somebody like that, and then we'll see. 
And then we did see that their defense maybe isn't as tighten up and loosen up as yeah. we all thought it was. Right. And so I think that's where I think it can open the door. Yep. And I don't think it should be as big of a, oh, Alabama's definitely going to win it this year. I think the door closed a little bit because of what we saw with that defense. Yeah, I now, think, I will say, though, that yeah. Florida's offense is very good. probably, very good. what, second or third best in college football. Yeah. So They've got weapons up, though, yin-yang. For they me can't saying, run the ball. Yeah, but. for me saying that Clemson... It, like I don't know if Clemson's as explosive as yeah. Florida is, right. but I think they're way more balanced. Where I don't think like Florida goes. Florida eight. can't run the ball. Florida yeah, could Florida not run the ball. Had to all throw the ball yeah. And you saw what they could do. Clemson's going to beat you both ways. They can throw right. and pass. Right so for sure. I, I think, think gonna... I, I still think Bama has the best offense in college football. They're yeah. just loaded with talent. Najee oh Harris is phenomenal. Um, but I think right Florida's right there. I think Clemson's right there. We talk about this off air, but Clemson's biggest concern is like okay, they got good wide receivers, but they don't have the wide receiver, right? They don't have a guy to go to at this point, right? But let's talk about Clemson. Big, big win over Notre Dame. Literally was an epic beatdown. They basically went, hey, by the way, there's no chance of winning this game. And Notre Dame went, oh, okay, cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're just happy to be here. Just happy to be here. We, we got we're, to this. Yeah, so. exactly. We're, we're just really, really hoping to get the fourth seed. It's fine. Um, so, you know, you, you see it. And I, I do want to put this out there, too. And I, we, we talked a bit about this off-air prepping for the show. If you, in any estimation, I'm talking to the fans out there, if you honestly think that there is anybody better in college football right now, not just at the quarterback position, but in college football as a player than Trevor Lawrence, you're insane. And I know we've been on this train. Mike's been on the train since he stepped a foot on campus at Clemson. But good Lord, what if you don't if you can't understand why Trevor Lawrence is getting all this hype and get it he started off a little bit slow the last year and this year I guess but look at what he just did to Notre Dame and I and you can make the argument Notre Dame's been overrated I would tend to agree with you however it's not the way it's not even like the fact that they get blown out right it's not the fact that Travis Etienne is probably a top three back in, in college football but just look at what he is doing. He's mobile. They have no idea where to go. Like that whole defense went, okay, so you've got ETN on the read option, Lawrence on the read option, or he's just going to step up in the pocket and throw a dart off off balance, one foot across the field. By the way, it's for a touchdown, and he's walking off the field, and he doesn't see him go into the end zone. It's insane. The fact that this dude is doing what he's doing, it's it's not even, like just if Justin Fields is your number two quarterback, which fine, it's like one and then, like, let's go take a nap for four hours and then come back, and then it's two. It's not even freaking close. Nope. Not even a little bit. Sorry. I had to get it out there because I think some people, when a guy has this much success and is as successful as he has been, I know they lost last year in the national title game, but, like, overall, though, you look at it and you just go, like, some people immediately want to nitpick, right? Yeah. Like, Joe Burrow, only on one year or whatever. Like, okay, but you have the greatest year ever kind of yeah. thing where it's like, just accept the fact that he's really, really good. I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but he's really freaking good. So, like, look at this. This kid is doing things that, like, have never, like, have been seen at this level for this long. It's insane. We're at, like, Tebow college level right now. Tim Tebow, you could argue, is probably the greatest college football player ever. Yeah. And Lawrence is right there, right? Him and Woodson and a couple other people. Like, it's a very small list of people. If Lawrence wins this title, you could be like... Yeah, he's got two as the starter. Tebow won one. As a, did he won one or two? He won two technically, but he won one and started. The other one, Chris Leak, was the starter. Mm-hmm. So point is, and he and he goes to three. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's insane. Anyway, but Clemson though they put on a hell of a performance, right? They beat the crap out of Notre Dame. I mean, 
Give me your thoughts on where Clemson's at. Because I think right now they're the team with the most momentum going in. I know Bama's undefeated, but yes. the full strength, Clemson's going to be tough. I think I think Clemson is the toughest team mm-hmm. left, and I think they're the hardest to beat. Because yep. I think they're so complete right. on both sides. Yep. Where I think, like as we saw with uh, Alabama, yeah, offensively, Maybe probably the best in football. You're not. You're gonna have trouble stopping it. But defensively, they allowed 46 to Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, Ohio State only 10 points on defense has a pretty good defense. But offensively, if they don't have Chris Olave there, it's kind of like it's tough. It's really tough tough for Justin. And they really and they honestly, you know, uh, or Sermon, their running back, really saved them. He had a couple really big runs, and 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 basically at the end of that game, you could just tell Northwestern didn't have enough juice left to stop it anymore. Like yes. They were bending but not breaking and making them kick field goals, but they just didn't have enough. Where, I mean, Clemson from the get, it was just a total swarm. I yes. love their linebackers for Clemson. They are so athletic and fast. Um, Spolsky, yeah, the number one, 47. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Like He's just, he's not super big. He's not going to be the greatest pro player in the world just, no. because of his, just because it is not. But for what they want to do defensively, in the middle of that defense where he's like, I can recognize anything. Like, yes. He's a less athletic version of Luke Keekley in my mind where it's just like, oh, by the way, he knows exactly what you're running and there's no chance you're going to do it. Yes. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that's what Cle- Clemson just has the best line. Like, we always say that Alabama has the best. Man, yeah. recently with like Isaiah uh, Simmons, Simmons coming yeah. out of there too, mm-hmm. like they got some great linebackers coming oh, out yeah, of Clemson absolutely. too. For sure. But yeah, long, yeah, so long story short, I think Clemson offensively and defensively is the most consistent. And I think they're the most complete, complete team, team right left. now. Right, I do. I agree. They may not be the number Number one offense. I mean, they might not even be the number one defense if you want to go Ohio State in, in the yeah, four or, or whatever. whatever. But I think overall they don't have a glaring weakness right now, and mm-hmm. I think that is a that is a really 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 big issue with them. Um, so that that's the biggest thing is that. And two, once again, you got the best player in college football. I'm gonna keep saying it. I I I'm kind of hoping like if the Lions take a quarterback, just trade all your picks and draft Trevor Lawrence. Just do it. Trade all. You only got five of them this draft anyway. Draft them all. Pull Mike Dicka and say I'm give, done. Give three first round picks. Taking Trevor Lawrence. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, for he's, sure. He's going to be great wherever he goes, even though it's going to be the Jets. No, it, it's insane. Um, all right, let's talk about the third team here, which we're assuming is Ohio State. It, 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 they're undefeated, yeah, right? Yeah, I, they're they're going to be three or four, but I think they're. I think the three that we're talking about as we continue to kill time until I'm trying, they know, I'm trying to get the announcement <laughs> of the fourth. <laughs> fourth team. I wish people would understand that we're really trying to fill time here, but. Um, I think Ohio State's in, though, right? They're undefeated. Yeah. It's not been pretty. They're not the team that they were last year. I get it. You're missing 22 guys. Chris Olave is not there. But I think the biggest concern for me is the inconsistency offensively because, um, you know, Northwest, especially when they get into the red zone, it just didn't feel like – I mean, Northwestern did a really good job, uh, especially in that first half, really forcing Justin Fields to make awkward throws, right, and two – um, they really, really, really did a nice job of 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 making of of getting pressure, and I think that's the one thing that Ohio State has always done a really good job of of um, of really having the mismatches mm-hmm. and being able to kind of give Justin Fields or Dwayne Haskins or J T Barrett time all day just to wait for a super fast guy to get wide ass open. You know what yeah. I mean? So. They did a really nice job of setting the edge. I think what this Big Ten championship game came down to, honestly, was that Northwestern just didn't have enough bullets in the chamber. 
They don't have the best offensive output in the world. Their quarterback is fine. He was playing really good in the first half, made a couple bad interceptions, a couple really bad picks in the end of that game. But they didn't have a guy to go to like and like Justin Fields is the number 2 player probably in you know you could say definitely the second best quarterback in the, in mm-hmm. college football like at the end of the day Fields is going to kind of will you to some points regardless right and obviously the run game super big for Ohio State missing Olave but it just didn't feel like Northwestern had enough so I don't know and I don't want to take anything away from Ohio State they're still the best team in the Big 10 it's not really that close and they're still in there and they're going to be there but I, I'm not looking at Ohio State like I did at the beginning of the year, thinking, okay, this team it, it very easily could be Bama, Ohio State, or Bama, Clemson, Clemson. You know, like one of those. Like it's a lock that Ohio State could definitely be there. Like yeah. right now, you got a lot of questions on this Ohio State team. Yeah. Oh yeah. You there's a lot of questions everywhere. This is the team that gets in that I'm probably actually no because we still don't even need, know a fourth team that's probably going to even yeah, be right. in it. But I think this team is just so... I think I think the problem that you have this year is you have mm-hmm. Alabama, Clemson, and then kind of everybody else. And so you're trying to figure out, okay, who are these two teams that are going to be? And Ohio State has to be one of them, but it's like offensively, you look kind of rough mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Defensively, mm-hmm. you're not... You don't have... You have a really good front seven, but you don't have Chase yeah. Young. Right. Or you don't have You don't that have that guy. premier pass rusher right now. So Absolutely. I think... Um, that's what's going to hurt you is you don't have mm-hmm. that absolute playmaker. Mm-hmm. And if you're going up against Clemson, who's the complete monster, mm-hmm. or you have the offensive firepower that Alabama has, I don't know if you're going to be able to slow them down and or stop them enough. Absolutely. No, and that's and that's the thing, right, is that you look at it and you just go, okay, what? You know, Ohio State does a lot of things, and they have great play calling, right? And it, it's one of those things where you need, though, things to kind of gel in a certain way. And I'm going to be honest with you, and if you're an Ohio State fan – the biggest thing that I'd be concerned with is we really haven't been pushed. Like, Northwestern's a good football team. A very well-coached, high-character Pat Fitzgerald doing a great job. He's even getting looks at a head coaching job in the NFL now. That's how good a job he's doing Northwestern. Mm-hmm. But t- give me one guy on Northwestern's offense where I go, oh, not him. Oh, no, yeah. not him, right? Can't do it, unfortunately, right? You can't do it. Are we finally getting some I news think our, here? Yep, here okay, we go. Alabama's number one. Are we going to spend another 45 minutes talking about Alabama again? Are we actually just going to get them all? I think we might get them all this time. Goodness gracious. We appreciate you guys staying with us today, guys. No commercials. And I also do want to take the moment here right now to apologize. Our YouTube channel has not been updated in the last couple weeks. Um... I'm actually going through a move right now, guys. So uh, I'm selling my old house and we're selling, you know, I'm buying a new place. So please bear with me on that. I don't even have my camera with us right now either. So uh, we're not recording because of, you know, showings and stuff like that. We didn't want anything to get stolen. So um, thank you for bearing with us. The show will still be live on every podcasting site possible. So um, we're still on Google Play and, and Spotify and all that good stuff. Mike is still here. We're still doing the show no matter what the location is. I'm moving 10 minutes away, so it's not that big of a difference. So please bear with us, though, on that. We really appreciate it. Um, I will at one point be able to have the time to sit down and get our YouTube channel updated with the last couple episodes. But once again, there's going to be no video for at least another couple weeks just until uh, my move is done. It'll probably be in mid-February is when you'll probably see me and Mike's beautiful faces again. Um, so bear with us on that. We will still be doing 24-7 belt content. We're still going to be doing all that stuff. Um, so please bear with me on that. But while we're waiting for the number four seed, so far we got number one Alabama, number two Clemson, number three Ohio State. We're going to do a full breakdown of this next week, guys, too, uh, of the matchups. We're not going to do that right now because we're already an hour into this show, and my voice is cracking. So. <laughs> yeah. 
And no one likes voice. No, no one wants to hear me sound like I've been oh, a chain smoker for 35 God. years. And here we go. Here's the tease that we've been waiting for out. forever. I don't even know why they bother showing five and six. Because nobody cares. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> no, oh, they... by the way, you were really good, but you're not in it. <laughs> if this is Cincinnati, by the way, I'm going to laugh my ass off. Uh, yeah, you're throwing that out there. I, I agree. I think it's... I think it's Notre Dame. I, I still think it's, think it's Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. But I would be shocked if a and Oh, sweet Lord. If A&M does get in here, though, uh, big ups to Jimbo Fisher. I know a lot of people panned that hiring of, of Jimbo getting the, as much money as they did for Texas A&M, but he's really turned that team around. I know Kevin Sumlin was getting a lot of love for some stupid reason, but are we really still not going <laughs> to do this? Are we really waiting still? Still? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're sitting here. This is the problem, folks, doing this live while relying upon other people to get your information because – Right now, where they're talking about Cincinnati still and everything else, you got Joey Galloway talking stupid crap right now that no one cares about. Nobody yeah. cares about you, Joey Galloway. Let's go. So should Cincinnati get a top four spot? The that the, here's the caveat. Or to Oklahoma. Cinc- here's the caveat to Cincinnati getting this right. If Cincinnati gets in and then gets absolutely destroyed by fifty six by Alabama, you're never going to see a team not in a power conference ever get in again. Mm-hmm. That is the only concern. You need a team so good. But like you need uh what was it uh what was the team in in college basketball that were undefeated was it Murray State or something like you know what I'm talking about the Shockers what are they called oh uh yeah Wichita State. Wichita State right they were undefeated right and everyone's like all right but you're like Division two basically yeah. so like you're not playing anybody. but then they made like an elite eight run right yeah. where you go okay this is a legit good basketball team so now it it, it helps other team like Coastal Carolina or all, some of these teams make the tournament you would need a Cincinnati team to go out and play them tough okay they lose 42 35 but it's a close game if if cincinnati somehow moves from nine to four, four. <laughs> in this scenario and and they and they get blown out like michigan state did then it would be like oh we really messed up and then it's like okay and the next time boise state has an undefeated season all right you better be undefeated for four years yeah kind of thing and what do you think about does oklahoma have no any chance? i no. you listen i get it you're you're a foundational piece but in my opinion, you play terrible. Your defense is still garbage. You you have inconsistent quarterback play, and um, once again, you've gotten dominated in three out of the four years that you've been in this thing. It's not even been close. So I don't even know what you can even make the argument for. Okay, yeah, you bought the Big Twelve, but it is. And is it officially yep. Notre Dame? All right. So our matchups next week that we're going to be covering. We're going to go off the air with this. It's going to be one Alabama versus number four Notre Dame in Clemson, Ohio State. The rematch. From last year, that that was probably the best match or best match, best uh, game for me out of the Final Four. I thought the I thought the national championship was pretty good, but I actually yeah. enjoyed oh, yeah. the Ohio State oh, yeah. Clemson Definitely. game last better. Year's yeah, so we're gonna see the rematch: Clemson, Ohio State, and then we've got Alabama, Notre Dame, a rematch from a few years ago from the national championship. Actually, were they not before the Final Fours when Mante Teo had an imaginary girlfriend? So if you remember that, those were good times. But that's what we're gonna go off the show with, guys: Alabama versus Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. We're gonna cover those matchups next week. Be there or be square. For the Missing Whale Man, he's the Merc Zone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.